Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I am joined this morning by uh, my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, and also um, a guest that we've had on the show many times because he's a super knowledgeable guy in the area of Medicare. And uh, so welcome again, Peter Stoner. Good morning. How are you? Very well, thanks. Good morning, Good. Alyssa, Good. Kurt, and the audience. Good morning, Great. Peter. Thank you so much. It's so nice to, it's so nice to be able to do this remotely these days. I love that techn. We were just like forced into embracing technology, and uh, it's nice to be able to do this from home and stay safe and all that stuff. So, I hope you and your family are well, Peter. I, I trust that is the case. Thank you. Um, and and I must and I must say that it's nice to do the show and not have to be barreling down uh, Route Three. Yeah. Seven fifteen in the morning. I know. To get to I don't the know show why. On time. Yeah, you're not you're not super local to Marshfield, so I you know it's like why didn't we think about this years ago? You know, this technology has been around for years. It's, um, but I, I think that this is one of the silver linings of COVID nineteen, which is which is great. Like it's just a little bit easier in some regards, like 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 this. Um, so it is that time of year where we have um, Peter on the show. He's all he knows everything to know about Medicare, um, and this oh, is Lord. that. <laughs> time of year where we have open enrollment and um so we just try to line up <clears throat> peter on the show in the fall 
Um, but I also just think it's a great opportunity to get information out to people that are approaching age 65. Open enrollment obviously applies to people that are already on Medicare, but um, this is this is one of those topics that people uh, approaching age 65 like know they should be thinking about, but I just find in my conversations with people um, in their early 60s that it's kind of like, where, they have a lot of questions. Where do I get this information? Who do I talk to? Who can help me? What's right for me? How much does it cost? Um, all this stuff. So th this show today is uh, geared toward people who are either um, on Medicare already, and we will talk about open enrollment and changing plans, um, and it's also geared toward people who are, I would say, like maybe 60 plus um, who are approaching Medicare age and starting to think about um, how their health plan will change uh, potentially at 65, what the cost will be associated with that, how to get the information they want, uh, how to get the information they need to select what's right for them and all that. So thank you again for being here, Peter. And we usually do a... a um, a seminar like a speaking engagement in the fall and those are generally very well attended but i guess we'll pass on that this year um and well, obvious reasons i was i was i mean we can certainly talk about this later peter but i was wondering yeah maybe we could do some kind of a virtual event this year but we, we could we could talk about that later though yeah i'm actually doing a lot of those uh this year kurt and i'm doing them from a studio okay. so uh that's specifically to and to enhance the quality of the video I mean, Zoom meetings are nice, but you know, I can see the two of you on Zoom right now, and it's not like watching TV. Right? No, it's, it's not. not as, it's not as clear. Well, especially and, with like uh, Kirk sitting in front of a window, and it's like the light from the window, and it's like Kirk has like this aura around him. It's like, ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's better. It it's, it's very <laughs> mystical. I yeah. It just it fo it follows me wherever I go. So for whatever that's worth. Oh, all right. So let's get right into this. So I I like to start. Um, I like to start this show. Uh, and by the way, Peter, you've been on our show many times. I'll just give out. Um, I thought I. Uh, Peter, why don't you just give out your website? It's stonermedicare.com, right? That's exactly right. Stonermedicare.com is okay. our website. And uh, if somebody wants to make a reservation to talk to me, they can do it on the website. Uh, it, it's very convenient because it goes directly into my schedule. Perfect. So I don't have to even be involved okay. in it. All of a sudden, I uh, start my day. I see, okay, <laughs> who am I talking with today? And it's just a beautiful way of handling it. Yeah, that's great. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. So I like to just kind of start with the basics. Like, so for people that are, let's say, approaching age 65 and, um, you know, they know that Medicare is in their future, um, let's just start getting into the details regarding the different parts of Medicare. I, is, is, I think that's a good place to start. Do you agree, Peter, or do you start? Uh, I do. And I, and I, but I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of a, um, uh, a caveat in right from the beginning because I get most of my calls that I get are people who are essentially calling up in a panic because uh, it's occurred to them all of a sudden that they're turning 65. That's something that a lot of people tend to repress. Uh, my own older brother did that. He called me two weeks before he turned 65 and uh, said to me, what should I do? And I said to him, listen, you've known for whatever it was, 20 years, what I do for a living. Why are you calling me two weeks before you're turning 65? And he was in a bit of a panic. And now it turns out when most people make that call, they do so while they're still working. And the majority of people working work for a company with 20 or more employees. 
So technically, those people don't have to do anything. So those people usually are on uh, their employer group plan, their employer group health plan, that is, or they're on the employer group plan of a spouse. And so, you know, they've read things over the years, they've heard things over the years that essentially say, when you turn 65, you have to enroll in part A of Medicare. And that used to be the case. I mean, it used to be a regulation, but I don't know, probably six, maybe more years at this point, probably 10. Anytime nowadays, I think six years, it's really 10 years. <laughs> but um, the health savings account, the H- HSA was introduced. And as you know, that's a tax advantage vehicle, put money aside primarily for those people who are on a high deductible health plan at work. Well, high deductible health plans in recent years have become increasingly popular. So I find more and more people that are on one. So they have an opportunity to contribute to that HSA. That's not to be confused with an FSA. A health savings account is a very different vehicle where you can put money aside that you don't have to use in a given year. You can actually put that aside and use it when you're retired. So it's a great thing for people who are going to transition to Medicare to be on. And uh, the government says essentially that if, if someone's on an HSA, they must stop contributing to that HSA six months before they retire. Or they get penalized. They get penalized 10% of their contributions. So as a result of that, I tell people, listen, if you're on a, you're turning 65 and you have a health savings account at work, don't do anything. Don't apply for part A, don't apply for part B. Certainly if you apply for part A, which is what most people would do in that, in that case, Medicare considers you to have Medicare. Therefore you trigger that potential penalty. So that's the, that's, it's one piece I want to get to up front because I find so many people fit into that category now. So then there's uh, there's one of t- uh, uh, other uh, avenues. The, the first one would be someone's turning 65 and they're going to retire. So they're retiring at the age of 65. That still happens a lot, not quite as much as it did years ago. But, you know, people turn 65. They've had it in their minds their whole working career. I'm going to retire when I turn 65. That's what my parents did. Um, So that's what I'm going to do. Well, those people then have to uh, apply for Part B of Medicare, and they should also apply for Part A at the same time um, because they're going to go on a Medicare plan. So in order to go on a Medicare plan, people have have to have the two parts of Medicare. There's part A of Medicare, which covers hospitalizations. Now, so that covers everything in the hospital. Once somebody has paid this year, a $1,408 deductible. Now, if that were an annual deductible, that wouldn't be such a big deal, but it's not an annual deductible. It's a per benefit period deductible. And a new benefit period recurs every 60 days after someone has been discharged from a hospital. So if somebody goes in the hospital in January, all they have is Medicare, A and B. They're responsible for that first deductible of $1,408. If they're readmitted in April, that's more than 60 days thereafter, they have to pay that deductible all over again. So that's the big cost 
to people under uh, Medicare Part A. The other piece is Medicare Part B. This is the second piece that's a prerequisite before you can join a Medicare health plan. And Part B has a premium. So Part A typically is, is uh, zero premium, doesn't cost anything. And that's because people have paid into it their entire working career. So when you pay Medicare uh, and it's deducted from your uh, check, that goes towards Part A. Part B, which covers doctor visits and associated expenses, is um, has a premium. Everybody pays a premium for that. 70% of the people this year in uh, the United States pay $144.60 a month per person for Part B. Now, the interesting thing, and this is particularly interesting to uh, McNamara Financial because it is correlated to income. So Part B is means tested. Essentially, that means the more you make, the more you pay. And a person can pay uh, that 144.60 that I mentioned up to uh, about $550 a month. So there's a big difference. So the highest of wage earners pay an additional $400 per month for the same benefit. And that's because the government essentially subsidizes that piece and they claw back uh, most, if not all of that subsidy for high wage earners. Yeah. And the benchmark starts at $87,000 for a single person or twice that for a couple. Benchmark so, for, the, for the lower premium, you mean? That's the high end? You start paying a higher premium once you make more than the $87,000 yeah. for a single person of modified adjusted gross income. So it's essentially your income minus business expenses and some other expenses. But most of your income is, is counted towards that. So if somebody is, make, uh, is okay. getting social security, that counts. If they're getting a pension, that counts. If they're getting required minimum distributions, that counts as well. But so the government looks back two years. So in 2021, they're going to look at one's 2019 tax return. And if they're single and they made more than the $87,000 of modified adjusted gross income, the government is going to charge them more than that $144.60. Uh, I should also note that that amount typically increases every year. So my guess is next year, I don't know what it will be in 2021 yet. That hasn't been disclosed, but my guess is it'll be somewhere just north of $150 a month per do, person. Do you know, do you know what so kind that's of, the <laughs> Peter, do you know what kind of what the average like rate of increase is percentage wise or? Well, it, you know, it's about $5. So it's, it's less than 5%. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It probably like roughly follows CPI. I would guess the consumer price index, it probably roughly follows inflation. Rough and they, yeah. they probably throw in a little something extra too, depending on the costs yeah. associated with Medicare. 
Yeah. So in, in any event, they have they have that cost that's associated with Part B. Part B also requires that somebody pay a uh, an annual. That's a one time a year deductible for doctor visits this year of one hundred and ninety eight dollars. So figure about two hundred dollars for a deductible if just you, if all you had was Medicare. The big expense under Part B, though, is that Medicare pays eighty percent of doctor visits, so they pay the biggest nut, if you will, uh, associated with doctor visits. But that means that the beneficiary is responsible for the balance, or twenty percent. And sometimes people think, well, you know, twenty percent is not a big deal. I always remind them that. Um, 20% of a big number is still a big number. Yeah, 20% you know, of what? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it depends on of what. I remember I had a um, ruptured appendix years ago and the surgeon's bill was $25,000. Well, 20% of $25,000 is, as you know, being financial planners is $5,000. So it, it, can, it can mount up. Yeah. So in order to avoid the Part A deductible, and in order to avoid the 20% under Part B, people, once they are turning 65, they've retired. First thing they need to do is they need to apply for Part A and Part B. They can call Social Security. And that's the first thing that people need to realize. When you join Medicare, you don't join it by calling Medicare. You join it by calling Social Security. And Social Security's number is 800-772-1213. Again, that number is 800-772-1213. And they tell them, you know, I'm, I'm going to be turning 65. I want to go on Medicare. I want to elect both Part A and Part B. And that then starts the process. People should do that within a 90-day window of the month in which they turn 65. So everybody becomes eligible for Part A, or most people become eligible for Part A, the first of the month in which they turn 65. And at that point, they have a seven month window to join uh, Medicare. It's three months before the month in which they turn 65 the month in which they turn 65, and three months thereafter. The only exception to that is if somebody was born on the first of a given month. Those people are eligible the first of the preceding month. So that's the only exception to that uh, seven month window. So people that are transitioning to Medicare when they turn 65, first enroll in uh, part A and B, they do so through the um, uh, Social Security office. Typically, they then get a form letter from Social Security that says, you know, we got your application. You're going to be effective for Part B, A and B. They give the date and your uh, Part B premium will be $144.60. So that initial letter from the government quotes the amount that most people pay. But then for the high wage earners, about 10 days to two weeks after that first letter, 
they get another form letter that essentially uh, retracts what was said previously <laughs> okay. and gives them the new amount. You know, essentially it says, listen, we've checked your whenever it was 2019 tax return. We find that you made more than the, the stated benchmark. Therefore, you're going to have an additional charge. And this is where um, people needs, need to pay attention. So that Part B charge can be, as I mentioned, up to $400 more than the standard amount. But what usually happens when people uh, get that letter, uh, they've transitioned to Medicare because they retired. So their income relative to what it was two years previously when they were working will decrease in the balance of the year that they have left or the entirety of the year if they retire on January 1st. And so they have a right to contest the amount that the government wants to charge them. Okay. And there's a speci special form that the government will provide. We can provide it. They can go on my website and ask, you know, that's stonermedicare.com. Please send me the form. I'm pleased to do that. The form contests the amount. Government is very liberal in accepting that form because they're accustomed to people's income being diminished when they retire. So Peter, okay. the premium that they'll actually pay, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. The, the premium that they'll actually pay, is it based on their income in the year that they start Medicare? I understand that the, that the government is reviewing their prior tax return, which could be from two years ago. But what right. you're saying is really what determines their the level of premium that they'll pay is current year. It, ultimately, correct. it is. It, it yeah. preempts. Okay. You know, the the assumption pretty much is your income is going to be, you know, certainly within a range of what it was two years ago, and that's why they do that. They go okay. back two years yeah. because if it was the, the previous year, a lot of people don't even have their tax return right. yet because they right. they filed for you know late. Um, and as a result of that, they can preempt what it okay. is that the government wants to charge them. And by doing so, frankly, they can save a lot of money. And a lot of people don't know about that piece, especially on your show or uh, because you're financial planners and you deal with uh, some people clearly that are high net worth and, and have been high wage earners over the years. They need to be aware that they don't just because the government says this is the charge that doesn't mean you know unless their situation hasn't changed sometimes people get income through uh rental sometimes they get uh income that's consistent through the years for whatever reason and those people uh, have income that doesn't change that much but clearly somebody that's making the majority of their income through salary and then uh, all of a sudden is retired uh, has their income being reduced? Is there, they, is there any they kind submit of that form? Oh, now they've got A and B of Medicare, the first of the month in which they're turning 65. That's then when they want to be able to go on either of the Medicare plan choices that are available. And the two hey, choices are hey, Peter, hold sorry. that. Peter, hold that thought, okay? Because it's almost yep. eight thirty. We're going to have to take a quick break, and I want to get into those choices in great detail without having uh, to cut you off. So, um, just we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed, and my husband and business partner Kirk Reed hosting today. Uh, we're joined by a longtime uh, guest that we've had on the show several times, Peter Stoner. Uh, he's a Medicare. Uh, 
specialist and consultant and his uh, website is stonermedicare.com. He's a wealth of information for anyone who has questions about um, either getting onto Medicare or someone who's on Medicare that might be interested in uh, confirming plan that the, the plan they're on is appropriate for them. So we're just taking a quick break. We've got lots more to follow. You're listening to McNamara on Money and we'll be right back. Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for joining this morning. We've got a great show, tons of information. I'm joined this morning by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Good morning. Good morning. Um, And also Peter Stoner, who is our resident expert on Medicare. He's a Medicare consultant. Um, More information about him, you can find that at stonermedicare.com. But he's, Peter, we've known you for a long time now. Has it been, I want to say six years, but it's probably been 10, like you just mentioned, right? Maybe well, not that It's long. funny because I, I wanted to say six years, but I, I don't think it is 10. I okay. think it is about six. In this case, it might actually and, be about and, six. And speaking, speaking of which. Yeah, it uh, might be true this speaking, time. Speaking of yeah. which, HSAs were uh, 2004. So it's been 16 years since HSA, HSAs uh, oh. were introduced. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, I didn't realize they came along that early. Oh, wow. I'll have to uh, incorporate that in my, uh, in my future talk. 16 years. <laughs> At least that, that's what Thank Google, that's what I Google says. something today. I appreciate that, Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're talking about Medicare today. So this show is geared toward people who are either, I think, approaching age 65 and starting to think about health insurance uh, in retirement or maybe people on 65. And we will talk about open enrollment. Um, so... <clears throat> Peter, I was telling you that Peter is an expert, right? So Peter, in the first 20 minute segment of the show, I think Peter covered 99% of the things that I had on my outline today. So I hope we can find some other things to chat about, but we can get into a lot of detail about a lot of those things that you touched on already. Um, But right before the break, uh, we were talking about, um, I think you were talking about the sort of the process of signing up and the letters they'll get in the mail and then the two and then part A, part B. Is that where you wanted to go from here? Yeah, but I guess I want to interject one one other point, and that is that I was talking about a person who was what they call aging into Medicare. So that's okay. someone who's turning 65. Uh, more and more, I'm finding that people delay uh, retirement. And, yeah. and as a result yeah. of that, I talk probably um, 70% of the people that I talk to are older than 65. And there's a couple of things that they need to do in addition to what I mentioned that the 65 year old needs to do. So I thought maybe I'd cover that first and then go into the different types of plans that they have available. Yeah, sounds good. Does that work for you? Perfect. So, you know, more and more, as I mentioned, people are deferring um, retirement. Interestingly, I find that I've had a number of calls because of uh, COVID-19 where people had planned on working a little longer. Their company now is in a little bit of a dire straits and they're they're looking to cull out uh, employees as a result of that. So I find that there are a number of people over 65 who are retiring now, not necessarily because they want to, but because of the nature of the times. Mm. It's unfortunate. I always feel a little guilty getting a client that way, but you know, it just shows you the unpredictability of uh, of our plan sometimes in, in any event. So I get a lot of calls, uh, people 67, 68, in their 70s and so forth. And those people, in addition to what I mentioned earlier, also need to submit a form that essentially proves that they've had 
creditable health coverage since turning 65. And they need to get that form. Uh, and they, again, that's a form that I can send them. But it's also a form that their employer has to fill out for them. And if they've had multiple employers since turning 65, they have to have multiple forms filled out because they need to account for all the time since turning 65 that they've received health uh, coverage through an employer. Government's looking for voids in the coverage. What okay. they're looking for really is for someone who um, turned, say, 66, wasn't working any longer, um, figured that they would just wing it for a while as far as health insurance is concerned. Now, all of a sudden, they're legitimately ill and they want to apply for Medicare. So the government's looking, make sure everybody's had coverage the whole time. Um, and then the other form and the, that the, I... So can I just interrupt, though? In the, in the, the rationale for that is what? That, the, that they want people to be able to have preventative care to avoid a more costly uh, hospital stay, for example? Like, what's the rationale for, it, for that? Yes, so, so that's part of it. But in insurance, they have something known as adverse selection. So adverse selection means that, uh, okay. in this example, you know, they're selecting to go on a Medicare plan now because they're ill. So- um, Fair enough. They need the healthy people to pay to, to support- Yeah, I mean, that's the yeah. principle behind yeah. insurance is that you have, you have yeah. some people who don't um, in, incur a loss and therefore their premium helps pay the losses for those who do incur the loss. And you have a person who's joining Medicare now just because they're ill, well, they've already incurred the loss. I mean, that's not fair. They haven't, it, it, is, a, it, it is a question of fairness. It's also a question of uh, liquidity. You know, you have the healthy ones that offset the expenses of those who are not so healthy. Yeah, I understand that. I guess I was dramatically just- Dramatically ill. I guess yeah. I was thinking because Part A doesn't have a cost, but they're looking for people that had um, Part B as well. Like you can't just forego Part B and not pay for it until you're sick. I, okay, I understand that. Yeah. That's correct. So, and this ties into, yeah. I, I think you said earlier in the show, Peter, that people, so Part A, I was previously under the impression that even if people were working after 65, they had to sign up for Part A, which is the hospital insurance that doesn't have a premium. But did you say that they no longer have to do that, that people don't need to sign up for Part A anymore? I said that they don't have to do it. I would still oh, okay. advise that they do it, with okay. the exception if they have an HSA. So if they have an HSA, I wouldn't advise that they sign up for Part A. If they don't, um, then there's no downside to signing up for Part A. And I advise that they do so because it gets them in the system. Okay. So it's easier to go forward with part B once you're already in the system. Now, I had a question just the other day that is pertinent here. Uh, and that is somebody asked me, okay, so if I pay for, uh, or if I'm on part A, I work for an employer with 19 or less employees. So Medicare is, uh, sorry, let me, let me, um, reload on that one. I work for an employment of 20, uh, employer with 20 or more employees. So I work for a large company. 
What's the benefit for me going on Part A? For example, you know, if I've got Part A, that means that the government, if I'm hospitalized, is is paying something. They're involved in that. So shouldn't my premium for my commercial health plan be reduced accordingly because the risk to that health plan is reduced? Oh yeah, fair question. Yeah, you know it's a very it's a very fair question, and it's and it's one that's occurred to me uh, over the twenty five plus years that I've been involved in Medicare because I've never seen a commercial premium reduced as the result of somebody going on Part A. So somebody is making some extra profit. I'm guessing. That's just a guess. If I'm wrong, please don't sue me. Um, but I would say that, you know, I've just never seen it. And one would think because now the risk has been um, shifted, distributed a little bit more. Maybe I, as a uh, person who has Part A, should get a little break in the premium. Yeah. I've never, I've never seen that happen. So anyhow, that's, that's a, just a compelling thought of the day. So um, in that so but in that example is for someone still working and on a on on their employer plan post sixty five with Part A, yeah. is yeah. Part is uh, Medicare Part A always the primary? Does it become the primary? No, it's not the primary unless you have nineteen or less employees. Then it is primary. Oh, it's okay, not okay. it's not primary for larger companies. So the vast majority of people call me from uh, large companies. And um, I tell them, you know, if you don't have an HSA, definitely apply for Part A. Um, you know, it just sort of lays dormant from, from your perspective, but it does help you facilitate your enrollment into Part B at a later date. But for someone who works for a small company, then Part someone A... Medicare Part A does become primary after 65. So those are the people, you're saying those are the people that rightfully should probably have a break in premium, but currently don't. Well, those people, right? um, for the most part, uh, will, will transition to Medicare itself. So there's one plan in Massachusetts. I'm not gonna mention which one, but there's one plan that'll actually uh, kick a person off their plan once they turn 65, if their employer has 19 or less employees. Hmm. Okay, so that's something something to be aware of. That So your employer, um, your, their employer plan kicks them off, basically, and says you're going on Medicare even though you're still working? Because it's very costly yes. to the small employer. It, it is, and in, and in fact, th th this brings up a good point because, you know, um, a small employer you figure you have a bunch of people working for you that are hypothetically in their 40s. And then you have this one person who's 65. Well, they kind of skew the average age higher. Yeah. And the average age helps determine what the premium is. Yeah. So that means because of that older person, everyone is paying a little bit more. Yeah. So it's a good strategy economically to call that person out, put them on a Medicare plan, and then have everyone else be in the commercial plan at a, at a more attractive rate. More and, the attractive company, rate. and the company pays less as well. Not only do the employees pay less, the company pays less as well. So you're, but you're saying that that's only one insurance company in Massachusetts that does that. They don't all do that. 
currently right. they don't all they currently they don't all do that okay okay so um but if you it, it, uh, and that's all i'm going to say about it i'm not going to okay. say which one it is. yeah that's interesting yeah. i've never people thought about that out. before yeah that's yeah, interesting. well people people find out because they all of a sudden they get a letter they from the, the insurer saying you know you're turning 65 you have to go on a medicare plan peter i had so a question about that, the hsa uh, um you said about you know um is that is that true for fsas as well or is that just HSAs? No, no. FSAs aren't a problem. Okay. It's the HSA that presents the problem. Okay. All right. Yeah, so, cool. um, and and also, you know, usually the the one that's turning 65 in a very small company is usually the owner because they're the ones that started the company. They're yeah. the ones that ha have been on the plan the longest. And oftentimes there's resistance to Medicare because they think, oh, oh the coverage isn't going to be as good. Well, um, and that can be true with the prescription piece of the coverage. But the medical piece, everything that's medically necessary under Medicare, typically you get... Get better coverage under Medicare than you do under your commercial health plan. Peter, maybe just say that again. I think your uh, your Wi-Fi cut out there for a second. Kirk, did you catch all that? No. Okay, so okay, Peter, can you repeat that? That's a good segue Obviously. into um, into the differences between uh, an employer-sponsored health plan and Medicare. Peter, are you still with us? Oh boy, we can't lose our star guest this morning, Kirk. What are we gonna do? Uh -oh. All right. Well, Peter, if you can hear me, maybe check your Wi-Fi connection. We're having a little trouble. Kirk, you getting any audio? No. Okay. Well, we'll just uh, give Peter a second there. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Uh, joined today by my husband and business partner, Kirk Reed, who is in studio. We have um, our guest this morning is Peter Stoner. He's a Medicare consultant. I would call him a Medicare expert. He certainly knows his things. I guess he's been doing this for 20 years or so. Uh, we've known him for five or 10 years and we've had him on the show a whole bunch of times. He knows all there is to know about uh, Medicare itself. And uh, we were just like raving about how great it is to have all this technology and we can hop on a Zoom and do the radio uh, without actually being in studio, though Kirk is in studio this morning. So uh, I guess that's par for the course that we had some Wi-Fi issues, but it looks like perhaps Peter is back. Peter, can you hear us? Oh, he's back. Maybe give him a minute to jump on audio. If yeah. not, Kirk, we're going to have to think of so something else. To, to Oh, here we go. I, I, I can hear you. I can hear you fine. I'm okay. not, I'm not sure where it cut out. I kept talking. Yeah. <laughs> That's just cause you just love what you do and you know your stuff, oh. Peter. Um, it cut out when you were starting to well, talk I wasn't about sure. you know? the, uh, no, that's fine. I appreciate it. The, the, maybe the, the misconception that, uh, well, that is Medicare the, is the coverage the, is not as good as employer coverage. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, if we have trouble again, maybe we'll just give you the call-in number and you can call in if we have trouble with Wi-Fi again. But you cut out um, when you were talking about the, the misconception that Medicare coverage is not as good as employer coverage. 
Yes, okay, so for anything that's medically necessary, uh, it's typically better than what you get on a commercial health plan. The uh, prescription piece is the one that cannot be, can is sometimes not as rich. And that's okay. why the first thing that I do when I talk to someone is that I analyze their prescriptions to see how Part D, which is the prescription piece of Medicare, how they would treat that person's specific prescriptions. And I'm gonna talk more about Part D uh, later because it's a, it's a large component of cost under Medicare. Okay. Um, so part, so maybe this is a good time to talk about when someone is approaching age 65, let's say like that first example where you had someone who's, I'm going to be retiring at 65. Uh, I'm going to go on Medicare at that time. Um, what are the decisions that they need to make? What are the different parts of Medicare that they need to sign up for the difference between, um, you know, a a standalone supplemental plan and is it Medicare advantage? That's the, like the all in plan. Um, so maybe just kind of talking right. through the choices right. that people need to make and like where they go to find this information. Okay. Okay. So um, first of all, we've already covered the fact that they need to apply for both Part A and Part B. Once they have those, they have health insurance. Usually somewhere in 60 days prior to going on Medicare, that's when they explore. So is a Medicare supplement plan or a Medicare Advantage plan going to be a, a good fit for me. And what I usually do when I go over this, because what I always try to do is to simplify the process. I think a lot of times when we discuss Medicare, we talk about a lot of things that become very confusing very quickly. Yeah. So yeah. when I talk yeah. about a supplement plan and an Advantage plan, I talk about what kind of a plan am I on personally because I'm on a supplement plan. And what kind of a plan is my wife on personally because she's on an Advantage plan. So we're on the two types of plans that are available. We're on two, with two different companies even. So you can do that in Medicare. You don't all have to, the couple does not have to take the same plan Okay. You know what's funny, Kirk? Can you hear me, Kirk? Yeah. It's There's funny because plan, especially those that were offered back back when I was uh, eligible for Medicare, uh, will let you go to any doctor in the country who accepts Medicare. But what does that really mean? What that really means is that there is no network. You know, we're all accustomed to a network because we're all on a commercial plan with an HMO that has a network or a PPO that has a network, but you can go outside of that network. And as a result of that, we tend to think of in terms of network. So even when I explain to people that Medicare supplement plans have no network, their next question is usually, so is my doctor in the network? <laughs> you know, it's kind of frustrating, but it's the mindset. The mindset is this is what I've been on for the last, whatever, 30, 40 years. Therefore, that's the way it is. I have to remind people, Medicare is a very different ball game. It's not the same as what you've been accustomed to. So I took a supplement plan because I wanted to go to any doctor in the country who accepted Medicare. 
in reality, what I wanted was I wanted access to the specialists in Boston if I were to have something of substance in terms of a health issue. And I did that because I had cancer when I was 55. So when I was 55, it became readily apparent that I was not immortal. And that was the first time that that really occurred to me. Not only that, but my mother had had lymphoma when she was 64. So within my family tree and within my own personal health history, there was an issue with cancer. And as a result of that, I wanted to maximize my access to specialists. And that's what you can achieve through a supplement plan. Okay. Now on my supplement plan, I don't pay any copays. I don't pay any deductibles. So my premium, if I were to join that plan today for the first time, would be somewhere around $200 a month. And I'm just okay. mentioning that for ballpark purposes. I'm on a plan that I'm grandfathered on because I turned 65 prior to January 1st of this year. Anyone who turns 65 after January 1st of 2020 cannot take the plan that I have. They can take a plan that's very similar to the plan that I have with one exception. And that is all the people turning 65 in the future have to pay the doctor, that's the part B deductible that I mentioned earlier, which this year is $198. So other than that, it's the same plan. Their premium for that new plan is about $500 cheaper per year than the premium that I pay. So they're oh, getting wow. the product for $500 less. Yes, they are responsible for that approximately $200 deductible, but they have a net savings relative to me of $300 for a 12 month year. So an entire year, they would save $300 relative to the plan that I'm on. Anyhow, so on my plan, I go to any doctor, again, no copays, hospitalization, no copay, no deductible. Yes, I pay a higher premium. Um, you know, I mentioned there's a delta of about $200 and change between a, a Medicare supplement. The new plans in Massachusetts are called Medicare Sup 1A. So that A differentiates it from the plan that I'm on. Uh, in Massachusetts, we are what's known as an exception state. There's three of them in the country. Massachusetts, Wisconsin, and Michigan do not offer supplement plans that are named after a letter of the alphabet. So I get a lot of questions like, you know, my friend in Florida or my cousin or whatever has a plan F a supplement. I want the same plan. Well, we don't, we don't have that plan here in Massachusetts. We have the sub one, the one that's grandfathered, the one that I'm on, the sub one A and the core plan. The core plan doesn't pay the deductibles uh, that you have to pay under Medicare. It covers the 20% of part B expenses, but it doesn't cover the deductibles that I mentioned earlier that uh, part A and or part B charge. So the core is a lot less expensive, but you 
take on the risk of having to pay the deductibles of Medicare. And uh, this year, so I've had, I've enrolled um, essentially hundreds of new people this year. I have yet to enroll a single person on the SUP1, the plan that I have, because it's no longer of competitive value. And I have yet to enroll anyone on the core plan because people are responsible for the deductibles. So clearly the uh, market winner, if you will, is the SUP1A, as they call it. If somebody were new to Medicare this year, uh, for the first year, their ballpark premium for that plan would be $160. And the reason that $160 is different than my $200 that I mentioned is that people get a discount on Medicare supplement plans, typically the first three years that they're on one. The first year, consistent to all plans, they get a 15% discount. And then one of the plans will give you a 15% discount again the second year. But most plans will give you a 10% discount the second year, 5% the third, before that discount is no longer available. Peter, can I can I stop you for a minute? We've, we've got to take a break in a couple minutes. But just like big picture here for a minute, these numbers are so, they nope. just sound so low to me in terms of what re retiree health care numbers, uh, expenses for the premiums itself, I mean, the Medicare premiums itself are so low compared to standalone insurance plans for people under 65 and plans right. for employers. Well, yep. is, is Medicare itself a financially healthy system? Because I mean, you, you know, you do all this reading about the social security system and all the problems it's running yep. into in terms of yep. not being able to fund, you know, itself yep. and stuff like that. And we've only got a couple minutes, but it, it, is this sustainable long-term? These numbers are just so incredibly low compared to the market price of health so, insurance so for one of, the, one, one of the things, one of the things that I mentioned earlier regarding part B, the cost is means tested. I think means tested yeah. is something that we're going to hear a lot more of in the future. Mm. Sure. So we're going to see a lot more of the people who can afford it pay more. Okay. okay. You're talking about for Medicare. I thought you were going to, you know, relate it to the social security system and how maybe that'll be means tested in the future. Some people are speculating that anyway, but um, you're thinking the premiums yeah, will I'm be adjusted Medicare, upward. I'm a Medicare people. guy. I, you know, to me, that's a completely different kettle of fish. I don't mean to, to, to look at yeah. it so narrowly, but in terms of Medicare, you know, that people who have more money pay more for something is a yeah. relatively new concept, but it's something that we're gonna see a lot more of in the future. Okay. All right, hold that thought, Peter. Um, thank you so much for your wealth of information again, but we, we've got Peter for another roughly hour. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're talking today about Medicare. Uh, premiums and uh, Medicare supplemental plans, open enrollment. We'll be talking about that shortly. Uh, I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. We're just taking a break, but we've got lots more to share with you in just a few moments.